storms. <laughs> Perhaps the God will give a thought to us. You know what that means? Perhaps he will care for us that we may not perish. Oh, God, do you care? Apparently not. Look at verse 4. But the Lord hurled. Literally, the Lord flung. The word flung is a military term. It's what a warrior does when he flings a spear or when he throws a javelin. This is the bullet in the ancient world. But the Lord flung a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest upon the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. The picture here is a divine aquaman taking his storm spear and throwing it at Jonah. Oh, no, you don't. Do you think you can get away from me? <laughs> Do you think you can outrun me, Jonah? So Jonah runs and runs and runs from God. In other words, Jonah sins, right? It's fleeing from God is mentioned three times in chapter 1. Three is the perfect number in a Hebrew. So what the Hebrew wants to communicate, what God wants to communicate is Jonah is the perfect sinner. Perfect, pure disobedience. So what does God do? Well, we all know the answer to this. It's the easy answer. It's the expected answer. Everyone knows this. He's going to send a storm, of course. In our tradition, we say things like, this is the theology of God. This is the doctrine of God. Everyone knows this. So you finally admit, man, I'm running from God. Specifics don't matter. You're just running, and you know it. So of course God is mad at you. Of course God is going to get you. Of course God sends a storm. Everyone knows this. You carefully hesitatingly confide into someone. My child is struggling. Her life is so hard. She can't catch a break. She's imploding. Your friend says, she must have some hidden sin in her life. In fact, God is probably trying to get your attention for your bad parenting. Because everybody knows about parenting karma. You reap what you sow as a parent. Everyone knows this. Of course God sends a storm at your child. Everyone knows this. Those, ah, I'm just going to say it. Because it's what we all feel. Those damn ideological Ninevites. or political, or cultural, take your pick. Disdain, division, demonize, dehumanize. One side says, or one side prays, oh God, get them. The other side schemes, release the state on them. Of course, God or the earth spirit, or the state, or ideological utopias 
send a storm at their enemies. Everyone knows this, of course. Justin Holcomb identifies this strange thing called self-awareness that happens sometimes in us. And whenever this self-awareness happens, it kind of messes up all our views of rightness. <laughs> all our self-rightness. Theologically, the Bible calls this self-righteousness. He says this, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord in the Bible is the day of judgment. It's the day of the storm. It's also called in the Bible the wrath of God. Romans 1, the wrath of God is being revealed. The day of God punishing sin. The day of the Lord seems great until it gets to me. I eagerly look forward to the day of truth-telling until it's truth-telling time about me. Then I start feeling like the five maidens who weren't ready when the bridegroom appeared, who were shut out of the feast. Then I don't want justice to roll down like waters because I'd be washed away too. Look at the last part of verse 4. Let's put that up. Can we put that up? Okay, so you see the ship. So the ship threatened to break up. Do you see that? The literal translation goes like this. See that word threatened? That's never used in the Hebrew that way. It's always used in the Hebrew, in the Bible, I should say. Maybe in the Hebraic world it is. It's in the field of uh, definition. But the word threatened is actually personified. It's think. So it would go like this. The ship thought it would break to pieces. In other words, the ship is thinking in this text. And you've got to ask yourself, well, what's the ship thinking about? And the ship is thinking about what? The storm. <laughs> so you ask the ship, ship, does God care? And the ship says, no. I'm breaking to pieces. So, so far, there are storms. And so far, everything about this text is asking, does God care? And so far, the characters say, no, apparently not. Now, I need to do a timeout here because we just said a lot, didn't we? I mean, a lot, a heck of a lot, y'all. And a lot can now happen of total confusion. I remember, I'll never forget, I took my first like, language when I was in seminary, and we were going to seminary, and I said, honey, this is it. You know, I either wash out in Greek, this is it. I'm either called to ministry or I'm not. And you know what's going to determine it? Greek. <laughs> Greek will determine whether I'm called to ministry. Remember that it was just like, oh, my word, we should get a scene. So, what my first prof said after our first semester, he says, okay, y'all know just enough Greek to be absolutely dangerous. So what we have just done in this text is you know just enough about the story to be absolutely dangerous. You need more theology. You need some more doctrine. You need some more clarity of the mind. So here it is. Here's the question. What is the connection between God, sin, and storms? Just briefly, brief time out. We just need to get a little handle on this. What's the connection? The answer is they mingle. <laughs> Do you see it? I mean, the Bible says, the Bible says God is the great calm. The Bible says God is the love. He's not loving. He's the love. The Bible says God is the light. 
He's not like a light. He's not just bright. The light. The calm. So, if, if you run away from the great calm, what do you and I run to? The only thing that's left, the storm. There is nothing outside of the great calm but the great storm. So do you see how this works? And this is what the Bible does. It talks about this from two different angles. So the Bible says, yes, God sends a storm on sin. Correct. And the Bible says from a different angle, sin carries a storm with it. God punishes sin, true, and sin punishes us, true. Both are true. Do you see this? This is really, really important. So the Bible talks about both. So one pow, and I'm not going to do that. Everyone believes this, though. I just want you to know everyone believes this. You're saying, but this is so strange. No, it's not, because everyone in the world believes this. Even Eastern religions believe this. Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhism, Taoism, they fully support the storm in Jonah. If they heard this story, they go, absolutely. Everyone supports the storm in the Eastern religions to Jonah. They call it karma. This is where if you have good intentions and good deeds, you get good karma. If you have bad intentions and bad deeds, you get bad karma. And you get it in this life, and you get it in the reincarnated life to come. And you're thinking, okay, okay, but what about modern people? What about technologically, scientifically more advanced people, as we like to say, modern people, which is really strange. They fully support the storm, too, in Jonah. Modern people call it natural consequences. Our whole educational, moral, ethical system is built on that. What do you mean? We tell our kids from pre-K, I know, I've had five kids. I have, have, present tense, five kids. From pre-K to 12th grade, you got to make good choices. The ideology is the same, natural consequences. Now, the definition of what those choices are can change, like they're changing now, right? So now it's like, make good choices how we define it. But listen, y'all, everyone in the world, every belief system, every religion believes this. This is not anything novel or new. So what does this mean then? We're still in the timeout. Sorry, it's a little longer than I thought. I thought it was a three-minuter. It's probably like a six. Does this mean you can be a storm chaser? Remember, we're looking at the connection between God, sin, and storm. So we realized that there's two ways to look at it. God sends a storm at sin, and sin has a storm in it. In other words, Paul says, the wages of sin is death. It's like sin carries it with it. It just it carries it with it. If you leave the great calm, all you have is the great storm. That's it. Another way of saying, if you leave light, all you have is, got it? If you leave love, what do you have? Alienation, rejection. You leave glory, what do you have? Shame. Leave faith, what do you have? Fear, anxiety. 
So does this mean you can be a storm chaser? Carolyn got COVID because she lied to her mom. Literally, my wife grabs my hands when we're in conversations like that. Honey, 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 honey. Or she kicks me. You think I'm joking. <laughs> Who sinned, Jesus? The dude born blind or his parents? Are you a God-appointed storm chaser? Are you on a mission from God to tease out all the fine connections between God's sin and storms? You know what Jesus says? Only if you're without sin, you can. If you are out sin, you can be the first one to throw the stone. You can be a storm chaser. You can, you can walk up to all these situations as the wise person and go, God, sin, storms, here you go. Are you a God-appointed storm chaser? There's another way, too. Only Je this is all from Jesus, so I thought this would be safe. Only, Jesus says, if you remove the telephone pole out of your own eye before you start worrying or trying to remove that speck of dust in your neighbor's eye. If you're able to remove the telephone pole out of your eye, you are now able to be a storm chaser, says Jesus. Final thing is this. Jesus says this. You're able to be a storm chaser, a God-appointed storm chaser. You can discern the realities of God's sin and storms. You can see what's going on and make connections and and have Instagrams and go up to your pulpit and say kind of things like, that happened because of this. God's doing this. You can be that person. You can. If you're able to understand what Jesus says to his disciples, remember what they said. They said, Jesus, who sinned? This dude's parents or the dude born blind? If you understand Jesus' answer, you can be a storm chaser. Jesus says... Neither. So go get it. You can have lots of fun. Everybody ready? We can be now that storm chaser. All right, timeout's over. Let's go to storms, back to storms. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us. Perhaps the God will care that we may not perish. God, do you care? Look at verse 5. Can we put that up? Then the mariners were afraid. Each cried out to his God. They hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it. But Jonah, in contrast to the sailors, gone down into the inner part of the ship, laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. This is incredible. The sailors pray. The captain prays. The Jonah is prayerless. The one who believes in God does not pray. The one who reads his Bible does not pray. The one who goes to church does not pray. The one who is a pastor does not pray. The one who's on a mission from God does not pray. How strange. You know what Jonah is saying to you? If you're a skeptical person, if you're more like, if you're more of an unchurched person and you're checking out church, or you're just skeptical about God and skeptical about the Bible and you have lots of doubts and there's lots of religions and there's lots of interpretations of the world and there are lots of Jonas in the churches. You know what God says to you? You know what Jonah says to you? Because of the sailors and because of the captain, you know what Jonah says to you? God is stranger, even more stranger than you could ever dream. Keep going, 
be curious, keep investigating, is what Jonah says to all skeptics. Because it's even weirder than you think. God, do you care? Here's what we got so far. The unchurched say yes. <laughs> this is crazy. You can't make this stuff up. So the unchurched in Jonah say yes. How do we know? Because they're praying. The church dude, Jonah, says no. How do we know? Because he's not. And so right away, we're now starting to have a shift, right? God, do you care? Do you care? Prayer says yes. So if, if you pray in a storm, it means you believe that he does care. If you don't pray in a storm, it means you believe he doesn't care. But prayer says he cares. Storms. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us. God, do you care? Let's look at verse 6. So the captain came and said to them, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. You see that? Arise, call out to your God. This is breathtaking. This is so stunning. This is so powerful. I, li I literally sat up and went, oh my word, I can't believe this. He is saying the exact same words of God to Jonah at the beginning of the book. God said to Jonah, arise and call out. The captain comes in and says, arise and call out. The very first words of God to Jonah, the sailor says, it's more crazier than that, though. The unchurched captain is the true prophet. The churched prophet is not. And don't miss this. God's word wakes Jonah up. Wake up, Jonah! And he did, and he was, and he was wide awake. Do you know what you need in a storm? And I don't care if it's a sin storm, our sin carries a storm. I don't care if it's a suffering storm, we live in a fallen world. I don't care if it's a suffering sin storm, meaning that people have sinned against you. If you're in a storm, do you know what you need? If your loved one's in a storm, do you know what they need? When the culture's in a storm, do you know what they need? Arise, wake up, Jonah. They need someone who's more powerful than the storm to wake us up. Wake up. And we're awake. You do care. Storms. Perhaps God will give a thought to us. Perhaps God will care. God, do you care? Prayer says yes. God's word says yes. All right. Lastly, let's look at that phrase at the beginning of four. No, no, no. Leave that. I'll go back to six. I'm sorry. See that last phrase right there. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. That phrase, that phrase right there is almost word for word said many, many years later, in another storm, on another boat, with another sleeping Jonah. 
but it screamed. The disciples come running to Jesus and literally grab him and say to him, do you not care? We are perishing. I'm sure there was other language in there too that wasn't recorded. These are sailors. Give me a break. What does Jesus do? The now sleeping Jonah. Do I what? Do you not care? Do I not care? Silence. And what does he do? He speaks. God speaks to the storm. Silence. Be still. And stay still. The text tells us, and there was a great calm. Jesus, do you care? why I came, he says. My death, my resurrection is the great calm. So we pray in storms because he cares. We listen to his word in storms because he cares, because he actually might convince you of it. Awake, sleeper, I care for you. Oh, my word, he cares. But we know he does. We know with the certainty that even more that the chair you're sitting in is holding you up. We know he does because that's why Jesus came. His death, his resurrection is your great calm. There is no other great calm. There is only a storm outside of that. Amen.